0: Welcome to Never Too Serious with Scott and Dave. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. Dave, this is kind of a, a resuming of our last yep. podcast. Yep,
1: And a little add-on. Yeah. A part dose. <laughs>
0: yeah. We uh, Our last podcast, for those of you who are just catching this one and didn't catch the last one, our last podcast was about uh, nearly dying and some people who kind of escaped death. In some, some different ways, car accidents, hiking accidents, falling in the sky, <laughs> falling without your parachute. Just fully. a 30,000 feet. <laughs> and uh, at the tail end of the show, we kind of talked about some of the, the science behind it and how people experience different things when they're on an operating table and they're basically dead.
1: And they think they see something. Yeah. Or don't see something. Or they or hear stuff. They hear or mm-hmm. they might see themselves. You know, yeah. And I know that when we were talking about it, we started having a discussion about Yeah, well, you know, that could be just like having a dream. You mm-hmm. could be dreaming something. Because if you're asleep, you could be dreaming and mm-hmm. being in your situation that you're in, your your mind and body might know understand the situation you're in and it could give you a dream that could have you i don't know looking at yourself in a hospital
0: yeah i don't know your brain is your gateway to how you experience everything yeah and if your brain is still functioning then i would imagine it can pick up on different stuff it and can still be processing things and
1: if you're getting if you're getting worked on who knows cpr who knows your body and mind are going to be going through a lot of flashes and movements and,
0: and drugs the, that you might be on at the time. That's a
1: whole nother aspect. Yeah. of, <laughs> And your, we're going to talk about that today yep. too. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's why we're here.
0: So uh, yeah, it's just a very interesting thing. Uh, neuroscience is, is interesting psychology. Um, these are, these are, are things that happen with your brain. And some people don't even realize that your brain does so much stuff. Th- there have been folks who talk about, you know, you've got to you got to think with your brain and feel with your heart. You yeah. Know? But ultimately, your feelings are still processed through your brain. Yeah. Your, your heart, heart just pumps the blood. <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, you don't want to feel your heart. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling your heart, you need to call 911. <laughs> <laughs> Uh But yeah, 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 it's all your brain Well,
0: okay, so I started doing a little bit of research And I grabbed a whole bunch of clips today So we've got lots of videos to watch I'll try not to um, belabor certain topics Because I know some people are just going to be yawning But uh, (laughs) the tape's getting started already (sighs) Yep, I'll hang in there with you guys And by the way, yawning is also an interesting phenomenon Because it is contagious And that's a function of your brain
1: See, yeah, see that is a bizarre one Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, not on my list though. Just yeah. happened to. So the, the the first topic is really about dying and you know the deathbed phenomenon of people who are just about dead and their brain is still processing stuff. And uh, and so I thought, well, how do you? I mean, some people die, but how do you know what really is death? Because you know, you're, if your heart stops, your brain still can be functioning. Right. But if your brain stops. And your heart continues, and in some cases, we use machines to right, artificially right. keep you keep your lungs going and 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 your heart pumping. But your brain is really not there. Well, I found a, a video clip, and this is uh, Sanjay Gupta. He's a CNN guy. Oh, right, he's a CNN doctor. Okay, I've heard of him. Yeah, and I know some people are not fans of of his his of his stuff, but um. But this was kind of an interesting way of of looking at, well, what does it mean to be uh, brain dead? So I have a little, uh, little clip for you. Oh, Sanjay. Yeah, recognize him.
2: Well, this is obviously an incredibly sad and heartbreaking situation. It's also very confusing for a lot of people. So let's start off by talking about some of the terms here. Brain death. Brain death is not the same as being in a coma or a vegetative state. Brain death, by definition, is irreversible. Now, in the United States, in most places, mm. it is legally synonymous with death, the same as if your heart stops. But brain death means a total loss of brain activity. Now, determinate, uh, doctors will often do several things, a physical exam, for example, shine light into the pupils and see, do they dilate, do they move and constrict, gently rub the eyeball with some cotton and see if the eye reacts that way. Sometimes they'll put ice water into the ears and <laughs> see if the eyes move in, in the a bottom of your fashion. Foot. <laughs> These are all tests of the brain stem. They'll also do something known as an apnea test. That means they turn off the ventilator for several minutes and see if the person shows any signs of breathing on their own. As confirmation, uh, oftentimes uh, they'll do scans to check to see if there's blood flow to the brain and also test to see if there's electrical activity from the brain. But again, it's that detailed clinical neurological exam that is so important. Now coma, if it goes on for an extended period of time, is called a vegetative state. And there's a fair amount of interesting research in this area. In a rare handful of cases, for example, people who have been in a vegetative state for years have returned to some level of consciousness. This is rare, but it does happen. But again, brain death is something else entirely. There is no activity in the brain. There is no blood flow to the brain. It is a grim situation, but again, something that a trained doctor can pretty easily diagnose. Back to you. Thanks. Thanks,
0: Sanjay. Back to us. Back to you, Scott. (laughs) No, back to you, Dave. (laughs) Okay, so coma, that's an interesting one because there are people who come back from a
1: coma. Yeah, but they're not brain dead, though.
0: And Yeah, and sometimes they come back and, like, they don't recall anything. It's like uh, five years have gone by and suddenly... Where the hell am I? Right. <laughs> what? Right. Nothing has
1: passed. Yeah. Movies have been oh, made I'm still about still married that. to you. <laughs> Dang, you didn't move on. Damn it! <laughs> no, I know it. I mean, how, how? I couldn't even imagine there. Those people coming to. I mean, it yeah. may not. It may seem like you know when you go to sleep, it's only a. The moment. You know, you wake up, maybe that's just all it seems like. Mm-hmm. But you would think you'd have a hell of some jet lag or something. I mean Can
0: you imagine looking in the mirror and noticing your how you aged? Like one day you're looking, you know, in your thirties and then the next day you're maybe in your sixties. Imagine
1: what that would that And then I'm gonna be like, like, Can you just kill me? Do you <laughs> see the did you see the bill? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I couldn't imagine the bill yeah. on that.
3: There
0: there was a story that uh, someone had gone. Uh, some sort of injury. I don't know if it was a car accident or something. And it was like 30 years or something crazy. Wow! And they transferred this person from hospital to hospital, from country to country. And eventually they, they woke up in Germany, which is not where the accident had happened. And it's because they could do all these different studies and all these different ways of, of trying to get this person to have brain function again now i don't know all of what happened when they when they woke up but when you're talking about brain death and you don't have any blood flow you don't have any electrical impulses mm-hmm. your i don't fully understand how the brain can really recover from that but if, well, that's, if the that, heart's still pumping
1: i don't well i think that's what he was uh sanjay there was pointing on is that he said that once your brain dead, it can't heal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess I kind of knew that, but I didn't, I've never heard anybody really say that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is unfortunate. Yeah. But it does make me question because, um, listen, I can't even put my dog down. So I understand, like, mm-hmm. I understand uh, people that w- don't want to pull the plug or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't think I could either. But you know I, I it just makes me makes me
0: wonder well in this case if it's a coma and there's still some brain activity but there's no consciousness you know maybe that's what that happened what happened to the the person you know who woke up in germany so there's maybe some there's some activity but it's still considered a coma now think about the other which is a an induced coma mm. using drugs to induce a coma right. so that folks can have time to recover from whatever the trauma was and they don't know anything that happened. So that's not like dreaming where your brain is really doing a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, maybe you're some level of consciousness. Maybe you can hear stuff that's going on, but that would just be so odd. Like I've had surgeries. Have you had any surgeries where you were in uh, under anesthesia?
1: Nope. I I I uh even when I had my wisdom teeth, I helped them pull them out.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that was an experience. (laughs) So uh I've had I've had a a couple of different surgeries. I did have uh my wisdom teeth. I wanna I can't even remember which is probably why I was knocked out. But um I wasn't no surgery. I I had (laughs) I had my uh my rotator cuff worked on to repair a tear. And and so they did some orthoscopic surgery and I was out for that. And that seemed so weird because I was just like, I was in and out. It just didn't seem like I was out for a couple of hours, which I think is what I was. I want to say I was out when I had my tonsils taken out as a kid.
3: Hmm.
0: And that's an interesting one because when I was a kid, I remember the smell Of it when they when they put the mask on me and I remember the the nurse asking me to count down, I think it was count down from ten and I want to say the last I could recall was eight.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey
1: man, where can you get some of that stuff? That sounds fantastic. Yeah,
0: yeah, but that's it. Just I find it interesting because you're using something artificial to just wipe away a, a segment of your life, right? And not remember any of it. Now there are stories that people do remember some stuff, but
1: well, but well, you know, when you're under it, like uh, I want to say also what uh, Sanjay Gupta had said mm-hmm. is that you have your electrical impulses in your brain, and you know a lot of people talk about lights and stuff, and you know when you have like if you close your eyes and cough, you have you could see. What appears like flashes, or, mm-hmm. or something, you know, behind your eyes, or what, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a lot of things that, especially if you're getting operated on, or getting CPR, or getting pounded on, and some of those surgeries, if they're saving your life and you're on the edge of life, they're brutal, yeah, you know, and your body is in absolute state of shock, and like you said, all those drugs that they're yeah. pushing into you. And you'd know you're going to be seeing a light or something, or if, if they're good drugs, you ain't going to see nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, uh, as we also talked about before, is there's also blinding bright lights above you, too. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that I, I, I'm not a person that. That can happen. I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not saying that it absolutely couldn't happen. I just don't believe that that mm. happens. The out of body experience. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've tried to hold my breath really long and see if I could get some, <laughs> but I guess I found out that you were supposed to breathe and go home and stuff. But mm. I tried an out of body experience. All I did was pass out. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good. Uh-huh. But,
0: well, you got to find a safe place to do that, Dave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll have them in downtown Portland. You just take your mushrooms and...
0: They'll supply you with everything you need. Yeah, everything
1: you need. Mm -hmm.
0: I've got another clip here, and this is about your body knowing, or your brain knowing that you are at the edge of death. Oh. And they have done some different research on it.
4: During a 2013 experiment at the University of Michigan, a group of rats were made to have induced heart attacks, and their brains were monitored as they died, with results including an apparent increase in hormone (laughs) release and general hyperactivity. Meanwhile, a 2011 study, also on rats, reported an increase in serotonin specifically, the happiness hormone. If, then, the same thing happens in humans, our final moments could well be euphoric, or calm, with our fears about death removed as we go beyond. According to a 2017 study by a team at NYU Langone School of Medicine, the least we might expect is to briefly understand that we have died, after gathering accounts of patients who had suffered cardiac arrest to the point of being pronounced dead. Only to be resuscitated shortly afterwards, there were cases when patients could recall the conversations had by doctors and paramedics around their dying bodies. So the brain knew how close to death it had come before being brought back.
0: Uh, okay, so two, two parts there, which is the rats and mm. monitoring their behavior and their their brain function and the the, the, the uh, neurochemicals that are going on when they induce a heart attack. And you could they were saying that there are like serotonin levels go up, which is kind of gives you a good feeling like.
1: About to die. You're about (laughs) to die, but feeling pretty good. It's like on Disneyland ride. The second part is when
0: people come in with a heart attack and, and they're getting worked over and they have been pronounced dead, but then are able to come back based on, uh, you know, getting resuscitated. There's no I mean, who knows if they've been shot up with anything, but generally speaking, you're, you're in there and you're, you're not, it's not like surgery. It's not like you're getting anesthesia or these other kind of drugs. And so you're, some level of consciousness is still there. And then when they get revived, they're talking about having heard the conversations of the doctor and yeah. nurse who are working on you. Yeah,
1: That's, That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I could, I could believe that because your ears are still hearing and your brain is still functioning. Mm -hmm. There's a part of you and your brain that has shut you down. Does it mean that those other functions haven't, but does it mean that you're also not, he didn't, he's not, uh, the persons aren't, uh, understanding in time, but they wake up remembering it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it makes sense. I mean, they're, you know, it's just a big memory bank you know so Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's it's weird though i mean i'm not saying it's not but to me i feel like it makes sense i don't feel like it's um you know some magical yeah yeah Uh, or 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 spiritual yeah spiritual yeah but uh
0: okay so this was the last little bit that i had on on like the process of dying and mm -hmm. what happens and i this was just an interesting one because we've talked about death on the podcast and i have this fear of not being around in some way, I want to make an impact while I'm here, and uh, and, and this guy—I I, I want to say he's like a physicist, but yeah. he's a bright guy. I you recognize kind of him, him. Yeah. and uh, and he's talking about uh,
5: digital immortality. Oh. Digital and genetic immortality are within reach already in Silicon Valley. There are companies which, for a price, will digitize everything known about you. Your credit card transactions, your emails, Instagrams, everything known about you can be digitized. And we have something called the Connectome Project, which will map the pathways of the entire human brain. All your memories, all your quirks, personalities, everything digitized. And we'll put it on a disk, and for the most part, we'll put it in a library. Today you go to the library and you take a book out about Winston Churchill. In the future you'll go to the library and talk to Winston Churchill (laughs) because all his speeches, his mannerisms, his memories, his letters have been digitized. I would love to talk to Einstein. I would love to talk to him even if it's a computer program that has digitized everything known about him, his work, his writings, his speeches. Everything and a holographic image, so that I can talk to him, and one day we uh, might be digitized as well'll
1: hey, we'll able a a our great sure. great
5: great 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 grandkids and they'll be able to talk to their great 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 ancestors but as I well, won't know about it because we become <laughs> immortal oh <Did> you? <laughs> that's uh,
1: that's like you know. <laughs> It's just, I mean, Isn't I it? could, I could almost have a diary and just video myself and to say, to tell everybody everything about me as much as I can, and, in and, and. The difference is, is the interaction
0: potential. Because if it's, if it's some digitized version of you that has all of your neural pathways mapped out, and, you know, there's some, I don't, know, some super intelligent computer can basically mimic consciousness. Then the interaction is going to be a lot different. I think there are some movies that are yeah going to touch on this, but
1: yeah, but it's still just it's still just uh, somebody else's hand, and a, it's still a puppet. Yeah, it's you not know, really you. It's not you. really you, and the you part. Me, if it was about me, it's not like I get the enjoyment of it. I don't get to live on mortality. I just get to annoy people forever, and guess what? <laughs> Who the hell's going to come by and push play on me or come to have a conversation? <laughs> They're like, "Are you kidding me?" Mm-hmm. No, I, I I don't know.
0: I, I think it's it nifty. Me looking back, because I, I, I enjoy history, but me looking back in time and thinking, "Gosh, it would be really cool to talk to my great 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 uncle." Well, sure, know, I agree with that, know, Edmund Halley, about, a real one. You know his 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 adventures in science, but I just think to your point then it's not really you you've gone on and died and someone just reanimated a separate consciousness or a separate version of you it's really not you anymore so but would you know that if if they if they reanimated your consciousness you wouldn't even know that it wasn't you well
1: the thing is is if (laughs) If people go, if if nobody comes by, what do you do if nobody comes around and talks to you?
0: Oh. Oh, you're worried about being lonely? and then Well, <laughs> then you're
1: sitting there like, oh, they brought me back, um, and nobody was fucking saying anything. <laughs> uh, be, next thing, I don't need to be digitized. And di- Did you get that I was depressed? Huh? Did you get that in there? Oh, yeah. You brought that back, too, didn't you? Oh, Thanks.
0: So funny. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Time to put Dave back on the shelf. <laughs>
1: yep. <Boom. laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I that is interesting. They're just making me a teddy ruxpin or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what was that movie with Mark Wahlberg? Uh, the next topic: dreaming. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about dreaming, mm-hmm. and I find dreams very interesting. I've had some different dreams where I had the ability within my dream to kind of dictate the path and the story. Um, and uh, I've had some dreams where. I um, was, uh, how do I say this, fighting with my spouse because she did something, not like physically fighting, but like arguing because she did something in my dream that, that hurt me. And then the next day I get up and I'm. I for some reason pissed at her. I'm pissed at her.
3: <laughs>
0: Go by the back
1: of the head. What the hell was yeah, that what for? Was that? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. my wife, and I'm I'm sure I have too. But I uh, I know my wife has woken up and pissed off at me because I've done something in her dream, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, well, tell me about it. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, but yeah, I've had crazy realistic dreams. You know, I mean, woke up thinking that you know, I had a dream that there was a huge spider on the middle of my back, you know? And it happened to be, you know, like if it was sitting there like digging into my back, going in the middle of my back, and I woke up, and, and while I'm awake, I'm trying to get it off, you know? And I yeah. feel it, and I'm still <laughs> feeling it, you know? And I'm like, it, yeah. was, it was a, f- the dream was so real, I was feeling it while I was awake. You know, it it rolled over to reality, and mm-hmm. thank God there was no freaking—I mean, no big spider.
0: Yeah, my wife could tell you stories about me waking up in the middle of the night and and brushing spiders off her face <laughs> because I had dreamed that there were spiders coming down from the ceiling and landing on her, and I wanted to save her and get them all off of, off of her, and uh, and then she gets all pissed at me because, you know, I'm. You just hands saved are her, her face. butt. <laughs> yeah, I just and saved And she's you. all upset. <laughs> that's right.
1: Jeez. Yeah. You could brush spiders off of me anytime. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the other parts of of dreaming that I thought was interesting is, you know, there's always the these uh, interpretations of dreams, mm-hmm. and people think that what they're dreaming has some sort of significance in in their life, and um, and I think that that's it's fascinating because. From what I'm listening to about from these these people who study dreams is that there's not really a connection with what you're dreaming and what the future may hold. Now, you can make your own future, right? You can take steps in your own life to get to a certain thing. Uh, the other is uh, is like thinking about in a um, um, you know the, the the stories of talking to you know, loved ones or, or people while dreaming, having, you know, some sort of connection Mm -hmm. to people that have, have, uh, have died. Some people think that they're actually having conversations with those people. When they wake up, they still feel like that really happened.
1: Oh, I've woken, I've woken up still having, uh, uh, saying words. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Freaking nuts. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is there was a time I dreamt all the time. I don't dream very often. I don't know if it's cuz I don't sleep well, I don't know. But when I do dream, I well, I'm sure I always dream. I don't remember my dreams outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um but every one, every once in a while I'll, I'll have them and and they're usually not worth having. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean it's so bizarre. Like like I've had I've had the ones that I I've several in my life um in a, in a situation and I can handle uh, uh, maybe a life and death situation okay. and I can handle it and you pull out a gun. Mm-hmm. You got a gun. You got this. You're going to save somebody's life or whatever and you just can't pull the hammer back. Yeah. I've been in a, in a fight and I just can't throw my fist. Yeah. I've been. It's just so weird. I like, have those same it's ones. It's like my, my mind puts myself in a um, in a such a vulnerable situation and, and I'm like whoa. How about how about fantasies? Want to give me some of those? You know, I'm not going to say where they are. It's because I've already married mine.
0: <laughs> the worst part of of my dreams where I'm I'm physically fighting, and I go to kick something, and I can't I can't do it. It's like it's, it's, it's like, like you can't I am, rip paper. Yeah, and uh, and then the moment that I actually do kick is the moment that in reality I'm kicking the end of the bed, yeah. or my wife, or the dog, or whatever. It's there's a moment where I can break through the physical barrier of kicking, actually produce a kick, but it's injuring someone who's near <laughs> nearby.
1: <laughs> I mean, hell, have you seen the dog? The dog, there's a video of this golden retriever, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong. Who knows? It's a dog. Mm-hmm. And it is dreaming and it's on its side and it starts hauling ass, <laughs> right? And then it gets up, still asleep, boom, right into the yeah. wall. <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> like uh-huh. that. That's serious. But, it,
0: okay, so on the topic of, of animals, mm-hmm. you can tell there's a lot of animals that dream.
1: Oh yeah, my dog does it all the yeah. time.
0: Yeah, and so there's something to do with, a, just that gives me evidence that there's something going on with the brain and that it's not some uh, you know, s- supernatural experience or something that I'm, that I'm having. Right. It's because I can see the other, other animals are experiencing dreaming. And you can, the dog is one of the funniest ones because you can, I mean, you can watch your dog for, you know, what do they sleep during the afternoon? Maybe an hour or two or something like that. And all there's all day. <laughs> and so there's an opportunity for you to actually observe mm-hmm. what's going on on the outside. And my dog now, when she she starts to uh, have these different dreams, you can kind of hear her whimper yeah. and like try and get away. And her paws are just like, you know.
1: Yeah. Kinda. Why are we all, and, and why is, we always seem like running for our lives and our yeah. dreams. Why? Yeah. you I know mean, somebody's always trying to put the fear in us, Uh huh. you know, and, 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 you know, speaking of dreams, mm-hmm. I might get this wrong cause it was a long time ago, but I always thought that I heard like if, if like if somebody had said like an old wives tale or something, like if you have a dream and you could see yourself in a dream, that means you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had that float above you dream, saw myself before, yeah. you know, and, hmm I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah.
0: But there's a I think there's tons of different wives tales out there about dreaming and, right. and there are a historical record of of people who have specific people interpreting their dreams and um like kings and having people interpret their dreams and that's supposed to foretell some sort of event or future or whatever and And, and, well and and as we're learning more and more from people studying dreams you can tell that this is your brain just doing
1: stuff well some people take them like visions slash Mm -hmm. or, or their dreams are visions and they like like, yeah, yeah they t- take, the same, or:
0: yeah, they take them as as, as literal, yeah, yeah, yeah like um, you know God's speaking to you through your dreams, but you know that your dreams are that's your brain activity, and I, i've got a, uh, I've got a clip here that talks about what people think what these uh, scientists think about what's actually happening when you're dreaming, oh. And I I find it very fascinating. In this particular case, this guy is talking about the brain when dreaming. It sort of goes through this process of sorting and figuring stuff out. And it removes certain barriers that you would have when you're awake and conscious. Because you have certain frameworks of thought and I, I'm
1: not a guy that's going to go smack somebody around mm-hmm. or get in those predicaments, yeah, but I would constantly get in them in the dream well and and think about
0: uh limitations of our reality gravity flying flying, yeah, walking through uh materials yeah. and what what happens when you're dreaming is that a lot of those those barriers are are removed, and your brain is able to start to processing so here's here's a clip this is about problem solving. I thought this was a pretty interesting one.
6: This is a study from William Demet, uh, published in the early 1970s. He gave his students, he gave 500 students a brain teaser, and he told them to think about it for 15 minutes before they went to sleep. How many of you have seen this brain teaser before? The letters O-T-T-F-F form the beginning of an infinite sequence. Find a simple rule for determining any or all successive letters. According to your rule, what would the next two letters be?
0: So I'm going to pause it just for a second there because I, I was never really good at these patterns, like figuring out what the next sequence mm-hmm. is. And this is interesting because these are our folks who are trying to figure out, solve this problem. But part of the instruction is to think about this for, was it 15 minutes before mm-hmm. before you go to
1: bed? They um, just want to know what the next two, if you're going to make a pattern out of it? Yeah. O-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-
0: so, yeah. What What is the, what would, the next, yeah, what would be the next Yeah. What would be What would be the next set of letters in that particular pattern?
6: Out of the five hundred students, there were eighty seven dreams that were actually about the brain teaser, and a handful of them actually solved it. So here's one example of that dream. Um, I was walking down the hall of an art gallery. I began to count the paintings. One, two, three, four, five. But as I came to the sixth and seventh, the paintings had been ripped from their frames. I stared at the empty frame. Suddenly, I realized the sixth and seventh spaces were the solution to the problem. O T T F F stands for one, two, three, four, and five. Six and seven are the next two in the <laughs> sequence. So S and S would be the two letters that follow.
1: Yeah, but that's if you wanted to stand for that. <laughs> What are you saying, Dave? <laughs> I'm not saying a damn thing. <laughs> I just think
0: it's so interesting because right off the bat I would not I would not be able to fill I would not be able to finish this particular pattern because mm-hmm. okay, so the pattern is OTTFF and it is the this form is the beginning of an infinite sequence. Mm-hmm. It will always go no matter you know h- how high it's always going to have this sort of, this sort of pattern, but there's no significance to me just looking at, you know, the three letters that are represented O T T F F. Mm -hmm. But then if you thought about it and had no boundaries, because I'm thinking in terms of, of letter, um, just what what would be the next letters not considering yeah, that this at them also as...
1: parallels numbers yeah well so, yeah not me yeah i was looking at them as they are shapes oh okay like is are o t they're letters but they're they're, they're their shapes, own shapes yeah. so mm-hmm. just like if the o was a triangle and the t's were square and the f was um what's another one rectangle a rectangle <laughs> I would just think it would be, you know, that's how I kind of saw it. So mm-hmm. I just thought, well, I could just go O T T F F O T T F F. There's your pattern for eternity. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that's because that's 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 like pop up books style, Sesame Street simplifying that it. literally showed you patterns, mm-hmm. not not. This is like code not, breaking. Not like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah, not like like adult stuff. And yeah. I went all the way back to like preschool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but the idea of of dreaming removes a lot of the the structural barriers that you would have in your brain about limiting what those things could so you represent. Could, like, see,
1: think outside of the box. Exactly, thinking <laughs>
0: outside the box. Yeah. And and so dreaming has a tendency to not only process the stuff that you've been experiencing throughout your day, but also give you an opportunity to think outside the box. But
1: but, but he's right. I mean, if if especially if I have something that's not normal in my day, Mm -hmm. something that, you know what? Here's a perfect example. If your mom came into town and and stopped in and said hi, there's a big chance I might have a dream about your mom's Mm -hmm. doing, I don't know, making cookies, you know, because that's out of the norm. You know, I don't think I remember too much because I don't give too much of my brain to think about, you know, because it's so, Mm -hmm. you know, day in, day out.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, this guy, he said it was like five, uh, almost 550 or so uh, participants and 80 of them actually had dreams about this and a smaller than percentage of those people actually had solved it within
1: their dream. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to know if the other ones had dreams too, but just not about this. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. You know, but, okay. Or so, d- because I was going to say to that is how, you know, they just didn't remember the dreams of that.
0: Yeah. Cause you, yeah. Cause you'd mentioned that earlier. You're like, Oh, I don't always remember my dreams. Or you don't always dream, but you may just not remember. Not really and remember and it's, it sounds like everyone dreams; it's just that they don't remember. But what if they
1: dreamt it, but they just didn't remember the the that as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. Uh, one of the just curious. one of the guys who who does. The, in fact, I have a quote. I want to say um, Bob Strickgold. He says, uh, "When you sleep, your brain is figuring it out, holding on to relevant information and throwing out the rest." He's a guy who studies dreams, and he had mentioned, "Well." If you don't think that you dream, then go to bed and drink a whole bunch of water. Because by the time you get into that, that REM sleep, you'll probably have to pee. And so you'll end up getting woken up by you know, your physical issues. And in, within that process, you may wake up in the middle of, of a dream and you'll remember it. He says, if you go through an entire sleep cycle, you know, you know, evening till morning, and you was really relatively uninterrupted, you may not remember your dreams because you have to, you have to get over into that uh, waking state. There's a certain plane in between. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I just find that interesting. Uh, here's, here's some other things. He, he was uh, mentioning that uh, a lot of creativity happens when you're dreaming. There are some famous, there's a couple of different famous ones that I had, had written down. Mm-hmm. Dmitry Medlev, he's the guy who created the periodic table of elements. Relatively complicated. There's logic to it about, you know, the, the mass of, of these different elements and where they would then be placed uh, on, on the periodic table. He had a dream because he, he was trying to figure out a good way to represent these things. And he actually dreamt the periodic table and was able to formulate that table based on what he hmm. had figured out in his dreams. Another Paul McCartney, very famous Beatle, He dreamt the song yesterday.
1: Hmm. Very. Yeah. He did a lot of drugs, you know, <laughs>
0: well, he was a Beatle. Uh, but so creativity, I, one of the experiences that I actually have is that part of my day job is that I'm an IT guy. And in particular, I've been designing um, a database that keeps track of a lot of like student information. And one of the challenges that was presented to me early on was figure out a way to track our attendance. And it's hard because attendance has certain criteria. You can uh, you can talk to a teacher. You can attend a you know, one-on-one or in-person class, show up on campus. You can also then turn in an, an assignment, like an online assignment. And, uh, and you have to consider all of those components in order to be marked present. And then, of course, we track this, and there's this other calculation that has to be done in order to represent it to the state. Now, some of the things have changed since I originally created it. But it was a big challenge for me because I was not natively a database design kind of person. So I was still kind of learning how to do the programming. And I was trying to solve this problem. And I had been working on it pretty hard for at least a week. And I recall I was... This was when I was living at my old house, and we had stored our travel trailer on the side of our house. Mm. And I would use our travel trailer as my office away from the family, so that I right. could really focus, focus. on. Right. And um, and I remember uh, working, coming to, up to a deadline like within a few days, and I had to get this project done, and I still couldn't figure out a good method of of doing this. And I had fallen asleep out in the trailer. And that night, Double beers. I'm sure. <laughs> no, no beers that night. Uh-huh. But that night, I had a dream, and I came up with the the solution for that attendance module. Huh. And the next day, I had it all programmed. The next day, is that right? Yeah. And it was it was weird because in my brain, a lot of things that I was like the barriers that I was running into the the mental barriers of of how to how to do this disappeared and i was able to find a very unique path to programming it Um, there's another study out there where they were uh, they were sending mice through a uh, a maze and they were looking at the because they can you know monitor the the brain waves and and map the impulses in the mice or the mouse or the uh the rat as they're going through the maze and then they can monitor that animal while they're sleeping and what they discovered is that the path or the impulses that the brain was was showing while they were learning the maze when they were monitoring while they were sleeping they were seeing the same pattern done in very very quickly in different ways and that to me was very interesting because you could actually see that in their brain while they're sleeping they're figuring out that other methods of getting through that maze.
1: Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. That's crazy. I, you know, my, I have had more, I feel, uh, um, I don't know. I used to have insomnia really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's when I feel like I was energized, came up with so many ideas. Mind you, it was, I was completely miserable, but I would be laying in bed for hours and hours and hours on end just, just trying to go to sleep, and then I'd be like, hey, "It's a good idea." And I'd run downstairs, and then I would just—they're drawing it all yeah. up. Might as well be up, and, and then I—it was all the time sitting there and coming up. Oh, hey, I'm just sitting there, just, just thinking. Uh-huh. It's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible.
0: It's terrible. But think—sometimes oh. some of those ideas really spark uh, some creativity. Some you know, project that you're working on, yeah. you know, a new invention that
1: you, yep. that you come up with. And that's, that's you how a lot and, of them. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's very fascinating I haven't came up with though.
1: anything in a while, uh, but I sleep okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about hallucinations. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay, we'll be right back. Dave and I appreciate you listening to the show. Please take a moment and write a review on Apple podcast or podchaser.com. And since Spotify doesn't currently have reviews, simply telling your friends about the show would be great, too. Also, you can always reach out to us at our website, NeverTooSerious.com, or via our socials at The NTS Podcast. And seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, thanks again for listening to the show. All right, we're back. So, uh, hallucinations, Dave. Yeah. Have
1: You ever had any of those? Yep. (laughs)
0: you don't want to talk about it (laughs) yeah Yeah,
1: I can't talk about it Mm -hmm. no yeah this they were they were you know (laughs) drug-induced can you can you remember the details some of them yeah I mean I even drew a picture of something that I had saw but I was hallucinating I had some mushrooms Mm mm-hmm And I just ended up kind of sitting upside down on the couch somehow and staring at the ceiling. Uh And then the ceiling, it, it kind of had something that was hovering underneath the ceiling, you know, just over the ceiling, you know, and it, and it looked kind of like a plant cell membrane thing where it was all segmented, segmented, but it was all fuchsia and purple and blue colors. Mm-hmm. In fact, in fact, those kinds of colors.
0: Oh, interesting. So
1: mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you could pick it up. But anyways, it's funny because these, I, I took a picture of this. It's a little tree that I had painted, but so this might sound a little corny, but some colors make it feel good. Yeah. And these, those colors make me feel good. And it was funny because the whole ceiling, but it would move like it was a water bed and it was floating and it was weird and they had like watermelon seed black spots all over it. And mm-hmm. it was really, really, really bizarre. So... Yeah,
0: that, that sounds familiar to other, other things. Like as I was, I was re- researching, a lot of people talk about shapes, colors,
1: feelings. It felt so, such a, was a weird other than the colors? It felt like it was a natural... At least at the moment, you know, mm-hmm. I was on the mushrooms. What the hell did I know? <laughs> but I was, I, I thought that it w- felt like it was such a natural thing. Like mm-hmm. I felt like it was, I felt like it, I was looking at cells or, or the, you know, the breakdown of, I don't know why. Yeah. Who knows why? Yeah. But, you know, i I saw things move around before, you know, like when mm-hmm. you're on acid and stuff. Yeah. But that was so long ago.
0: I was, as I was going through this, there's this thing called Charles Bonnet Syndrome. I don't know about <clears> it. it. Never heard of that? Nope. I don't know
1: no Charles Bonnet.
0: Evidently, this syndrome only affects people who are blind that became blind later in their life. Oh, okay. Or at least... They used to very, have vision? Yeah, they used to have vision, but they're very visually impaired now mm-hmm. or completely blind. Okay. And And what happens is, like... They will visually see shapes, colours, like very vivid shapes and colours, but they're blind, and they'll be sitting there, not high on anything, they'll be completely awake, yeah, and suddenly their brain triggers these hallucinations and I guess this syndrome only happens with people who have had some previous visual experience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. People who have were born blind don't experience the same thing. They haven't seen it, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they think that potentially that these folks are because they don't have any more stimuli coming from those particular sensors that their brain is kind of filling
1: in for them. Sure, I could see that. Mm -hmm. It's not not even misfiring; it's just firing. You know, yeah. You just can't see. Yeah, I mean, it's just not coming from your. You're just not visualizing it's your just, sensors. Yeah, it's just projecting on the back of your eyelids, if you will.
0: Yeah, your brain is picking up stimuli that it's creating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah, That's very weird. Um, I have, I got into a few different TED talks because, uh, TED talks. There's some interesting ones, and there's tons of them out there. And so I, I thought, well, let's see if the TED talks have you know anything to do with this stuff. And I found one that is talking about your brain being a predictive engine. Hmm. And we, in other conversations, we talked about this, where your brain kind of fills in the gaps. Yep. Where, like, your eyes can't see an entire picture. And in fact, what's interesting is our eyes actually see everything upside down. And our brain flips it mm-hmm. right side up. Just based on how the lenses on our eyes uh, now, work.
1: Now, not just off this. Now, I've heard this years ago mm-hmm. that um, that if you could, if you live upside down long enough, that your brain will adjust it back. Oh. I heard this guy that he was. There was a guy that um, lived upside down, mm-hmm. and he walked on his hands, and he like had a. He had like a. Um, uh, sleeping bag stapled to the the wall, and he would zip <laughs> himself up. And I think that he could see, like his his brain, his his mind flipped it. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Well, okay. So you could quote me on that and tell me I'm wrong, but I, I, it was a long, long, long time ago when when I saw that. Well, you you've had LASIK, yep. and uh, I've been
0: contemplating getting getting LASIK. You should and uh, want I want to say that it's my my old coach um he got lasik and he had one eye uh shaped or whatever how, however lasik works shaped so that he could see it at distance and the other one his other eye to be close up mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of confusing at first but eventually his brain compensated so that he could see at distance and close up
1: mm-hmm. You have heard this before? Yeah, I know yeah. a dumbass that's done that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm not calling him a dumbass for doing it. I am a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, but the guy that I know that did it is a dumbass. But yeah. 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 And do you know what his results were? It's hard. It's not fair to use this guy because <laughs> everything is perfect with him. Oh, okay. So it was probably the best thing is, like, oh, okay. Christ come down and touched him. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's, it's concerning because yeah what he does for yeah
0: but you know this was kind of like a a, you know someone that i knew said that this for a while it was it was difficult and then eventually the your Your brain just adapted
1: yeah yeah my uh, wife thinks i'm attractive i mean yeah boy that's an interesting mystery (laughs) Took about 20 years for her to to, (laughs) for her brain to accept that but Uh, at least i think so either that she's a great great liar um (laughs) Uh, okay, let me play this, this clip
0: about yeah. you know, your brain being a predictive engine.
7: Yeah. Let's start with experiences of the world around us and with the important idea of the brain as a prediction engine. Now, imagine being a brain. You're yeah. locked inside a bony skull trying to figure what's out there in the world. But there's no lights inside the skull. There's no sound either. All you've got to go on are streams of electrical impulses which are only indirectly related to things in the world, whatever they may be. So perception, figuring out what's there, has to be a process of informed guesswork in which the brain combines these sensory signals with its prior expectations or beliefs about the way the world is to form its best guess of what caused those signals. The brain doesn't hear sound or see light. What we perceive is its best guess of what's out there in the world. Let me give you a couple of examples of all this. Now, you might have seen this illusion before but I'd like you to think about it in a new way. If you look at those two patches, A and B, they should look to you to be very different shades of gray, right? But they are, in fact, exactly the same shade. And I can illustrate this if I put up a second version of the image here and join, it, join the two patches with a gray-colored bar. And you can see there's no difference. It's exactly the same shade of gray. And if you still don't believe me, I'll bring the bar across and join them up. it's a single colored block of gray, there's no difference at all. So this isn't any kind of magic trickery, it's the same shade of gray, but take it away again, and it looks different. So what's happening here is that the brain is using its prior expectations, built deeply into the circuits of the visual cortex, that a cast shadow dims the appearance of a surface, so that we see B as lighter than it really is.
1: Yeah. Have you seen this before? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, I have not seen the TED Talk. Okay, but But I know about that concept.
0: Yeah, Yeah, okay, so those of you not watching us on YouTube or on Spotify, uh, it looks like basically a checkerboard, and uh, there's a a dark-colored checker that's marked as A, and then there's a lighter-color checker marked as B, and then there's this cylindrical thing on the corner that's casting a shadow over top of of B. And his point is, is that we're, we're looking at it with prior knowledge that when you're seeing a shadow, it changes whatever is behind it. And what his point is, is that our brains are being tricked here because they're actually the same color, the same shade of color. And because there's that object casting a shadow, it changes our perception, our guess of what
1: See, I don't think our brains are being tricked. I think our brains are genius that they just know that it's going to be difficult. We already know there's going to be difficulty seeing it, and just mm-hmm. adjust it for us. It's amazing. It's like those those glasses that you know when the sun comes on. Oh, we got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll just <laughs> I'll just switch that. I'll just dim it mm-hmm. for you. But yeah, it is amazing. These mind mind slash eye tricks. Mm-hmm. They're not eye tricks. They're mind tricks. Is what yeah, they are is is uh, they're fun. They're a lot of fun.
0: Uh, So this TED talk also goes on, and this one was really, uh, really fun to me. I'll have to, well, I'll describe what's happening after we watch the video, because those of you who are watching us on Spotify or YouTube will get a kick out of this.
7: So let's return to the bodily self. How does the brain generate the experience of being a body and of having a body? Well, just the same principles apply. The brain makes its best guess about what is and what is not part of its body. And there's a beautiful experiment in neuroscience to illustrate this. And unlike most neuroscience experiments, this this is is one you can do at home. All you need is one of these and a couple of paintbrushes.
0: It's a prosthetic hand. Yep, fake hand.
7: Now, in the rubber hand illusion, a person's real hand is hidden from view, and that fake rubber hand is placed in front of them. Then both hands are simultaneously stroked with a paintbrush while the person stares at the fake hand. Now, for most people, after a while, this leads to the very uncanny sensation that the fake hand is, in fact, part of their body. And the idea is that the congruence between seeing touch and feeling touch on an object that looks like a hand and is roughly where a hand should be is enough evidence for the brain to make its best guess that the fake hand is, in fact, part of the body.
3: (laughs)
0: Okay, so those of you who can't see it, Um, there's a a prosthetic hand in front and the, the guy is the tester person is, is using a paintbrush and brushing the fingers that the participant can see.
1: And there's a divider that he has his other hand around.
0: He can't see his other hand, but his, his real hand and the prosthetic hand are being brushed at the very same time on the same fingers. And someone from the outside jumps in there and stabs the fake hand with a fork.
1: <laughs> and the guy freaks out because he thought he was going to get stabbed.
0: Yeah. And it, what what's funny is, is that he didn't move his, in on that case, he didn't use his right hand. He moved the hand that the paintbrush had been mimicking
1: right. in touch with. Right, right. And, <laughs> and here's another thing that's impressive. Because mm-hmm. that your brain our brains um, adapt so quickly. This yeah. doesn't take any time, any time for your brain to morph into believing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're well, fragile people out there. <laughs> we, we need to watch what we're watching on TV. You know? Well, think
0: about some of the podcasts we've had about um, like cults mm-hmm. and people believing stuff. It doesn't take much time to train someone into yeah. these yeah. these things. yeah, um he he goes on to talk about some other cool things. he He did this visual where someone with um like you know like the the, the rea- virtual reality glasses on, and they digitized dogs into the virtual reality mm-hmm. area. And it's real people walking by with bags and they're on campus and whatnot, but there's this weird dog image that keeps showing up everywhere, and it's just a very weird thing that I would imagine like if I were high on mushrooms or something that i would i could I could see these hallucinations and he was just using it as an example of this is kind of what people can experience mm. is having these weird images pop out when their, um, their brains are all hopped up on, on stuff. Uh, okay. So speaking of being hopped up on stuff, <laughs> we have some here with the drug induced experiences. There's a show on Netflix. It's called how to change your mind. And Michael Pollan is the, he he wrote a book, and this Netflix series is based on that on that book, and he basically goes through several different things: LSD, psilocybin, which is the mas- magic mushrooms, uh, and then MDMA, which is also known as ecstasy, and then uh, what is it? masculine? is that how you pronounce it? It's the same. No. It's the same as uh, peyote. Oh yeah. And, and so this series, each, each episode, it's like an hour long and, uh, and each episode is dedicated to each one of these, these drugs. Oh, wow. And I got sucked into, it. I watched all four of them last oh, night.
1: You-
0: <laughs> I was in the hot tub. I, I was enjoying a, a cigar and just got sucked into it. It That's was right. I, very fascinating stuff because I'm not a, I'm not really a, a drug type of person. I'm fascinated by the brain and what chemicals can do to the brain and what you perceive as your reality right. how, and how
1: people on crack can hold those positions in a back bend <laughs> for who knows how i've long. seen some oh of that. my gosh drugs are amazing
3: mm-hmm.
0: they have no idea what reality is not at all okay so i'll, I'll go through this really quick because i know we're, we're running out of time with the show here there is a a, a an ongoing theme as I was watching this with every single one of these and that is that we have basically people are trying to communicate what their experiences are when they're on these these different things. Oh. And there are some really good Things about each They trying of these to keep drugs. it
1: serious and professional while they're on these things.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Or so or to get actual information. I wanna say that the big the big push with this series is really about legalizing these things to study in you know, in, in medicine. Because there's potential good medicinal things that could come out of, of these particular oh, that, drugs. That, that is true. And I'm I'm not against that. I don't wanna see people on the street doing this sort of thing because they just start... It can create some real safety issues a- well, around other people. Well, then,
1: also to be fair, you know, you could use them for medicinal issues, but I don't know how many medicinal... Uh, um... Uh, drugs out there are being abused too so yeah they'll well, just be abused too
0: the way i look at it is that these drugs shouldn't be outlawed for study no in, no yeah in uh, in the laboratory or in in medicine i don't they know were painted
1: that... as as so bad or absolutely of no value yeah i don't know how long ago but forever ago but yeah
0: 1970 under nixon lsd I mean, was outlawed
1: well what about morphine
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah did they walk around like sipping on that shit back in the day
0: <laughs> well so morphine is interesting because it's um it it i believe it comes from the poppy yeah and yes yeah. and uh and there's a lot of other drugs that come from because those are all opoi- opioid opioids opioids mm-hmm. and uh and we of course have this opioid epidemic right now uh with i want to say fentanyl and some other yep. things that are coming across yeah. the border and uh but there are some benefits to it. I think all these rugs should have, we should have the ability to study them. At least I'm not, I'm them. not sure about people doing them, you know, at their house and, and stuff. But, yeah. but at least we should be studying them because yeah. I'm curious and I want to know more about this stuff. Um, LSD, some of the, the key folks, uh, Albert Hoffman was the first guy to synthesize LSD. He's from Switzerland. Uh, originally came from a fungus that used to grow on rye plants. Albert Hoffman. Oh,
1: he came from a fungus. <laughs>
0: no, he sent the size oh, LSD oh, oh. from a fungus. Is that right? Yeah, and and he his first experience was he accidentally got it on his fingers during some experiments, and had an experience experience himself.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah,
0: it, it, he said that he continued to uh, take LSD, and he had one of his assistants follow him home on a bike ride. And he described this weird <laughs> experience that he had while he was riding his bike home mm-hmm. high on LSD yep. yeah yeah uh, Timothy leary we've talked about him before. He was a guy, him and uh, Richard Alpert that used to work at Harvard and were studying uh, LSD huh. and uh, ended up getting fired because their experiments got sloppier and sloppier and and leary he's Anyone who's knows anything about LSD, he's like the father of the movement.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. It was outlawed in 1970 under Nixon. They changed it over to a Schedule One substance, which basically made it an illicit drug and had no medical use, like you had said. Eventually, I want to say in 2007, LSD became legal in in uh, Switzerland to study because there are some interesting medicinal value to LSD. Uh things like talking about uh microdosing LSD and being able to get rid of anxiety and and depression and some of these other mental disorders and having people experience things uh, slightly differently when they come out of this this high they look at life differently. And well, in some I'm cases sure they do. Well, in in some cases these have been methods of people getting out from under other like addiction problems. But uh, yeah, Uh, the other one, psilocybin, that's a magic mushroom thing. And you were talking about magic mushrooms. There is an interesting questionnaire that folks would have to answer or fill out at, at the end of their experiment. Mm. I, want, I want to read through it okay. uh, real fast. All right. And it's all based on a, a scale. All right. And so it's uh, a one one to five. And zero is basically didn't experience anything at all. And I, I, m- m- I, I, number five is like the I'm going to
1: try to go back to my 20s and see if I could answer it okay. myself <laughs> in my head.
0: I'm curious. Um, okay. So maybe I won't read all of them, but sure. I'll, I'll read a few of them here. So factor one, the the mystical that's the category of of these questions. So on a scale of of 0 to 5, okay? Did you experience freedom from the limitations of your personal self and feeling a unity or bond with what was felt to be greater than your personal self?
1: Oh my gosh, out of LSD and mushrooms, yes. A <laughs> big time. I did. Uh, yeah, wow, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh experience a pure being pure awareness beyond the world of your senses.
1: I, so, so yes, um, I do remember when the LSD and, and cause I, I have a lot of the same experiences and stuff from those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use the word clarity a lot. hmm.
0: Um, well, so the next one experience of oneness in relation to an inner world within.
3: Hmm.
1: Okay.
0: These are ways of describing um, supernatural almost, right. you know, this this feeling that you are so connected and grounded or, or freed that you have this amazing understanding of everything. No, I can't say that.
1: I was having fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know if I've... Uh, well, again, this is the... If I've
0: uh, unlocked a... Uh, Yeah, I'm just curious. This is the mystical um, category, right? So these are talking about people having these really mystical experiences. Uh, Experience of unity with ultimate reality. It's interesting how they title some of this stuff, how they phrase it. Mm -hmm. Feeling that you experimented eternally and infinity.
1: That's nope, no, no. Nope, nope.
0: Experience of oneness or unity with objects or persons yep. in your surrounding?
1: Yep, yep.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Experience the insight that is all um all is one. Awareness of life or living presence in things? I've been
1: drunk enough to have those <laughs> too
0: though. <laughs> um a sense of being at a spiritual height, a sense of reverence? Feeling that you are experiencing something profoundly sacred and holy?
1: I didn't do it so many times to have a bunch of different maybe poss- experiences. Mm-hmm. I've, only, I've only done them mushrooms. A, uh, I guess I did those a few times. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but and, and LSD was only a couple times. So you know, I I didn't wasn't big into those things, but I I was curious.
0: Well, imagine though, it, it, experiencing now as a, a as an older adult versus you know you when you were much much younger. I don't know. Um, your reality uh, is different now. The way that you live, the things that you believe in, um, your understanding of the world is different now. And so to have that those these experiences would maybe be a little bit different. Oh, the I, other, I,
1: I would imagine they would be.
0: The other thing that you talk about is is the framing of it. So when they're going through these experiments, they put you in a very specific place with a very specific setting, and they put you into a, a kind of a mental state, mm. and there's a feeling of safety, um, of... You know, people being there to take care of you, to help guide your experience. So not in a graveyard. And so, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, not in a graveyard. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, i dropped acid in a graveyard before. (laughs) Mm. Yeah,
0: that'd be a little uh, freaky of an experience, I would imagine. Uh, The the framing of that experience would be weird. That's funny. Um, So some of the other, so that was, you know, mystical category. Another category is just positive mood, experience of amazement, feelings of tenderness and gentleness peace and tranquility, Mm -hmm. feelings of joy. Uh, The other category is transcendence of time and space, loss of your essential sense of time and space, Mm -hmm. loss of of your usual awareness or where you are, Mm -hmm. sense of being outside of time and space, being beyond past and future all at the same time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, didn't get that deep.
0: Uh, Being in a realm with no space boundaries, and experience of timelessness. Uh, last, let's see, yeah, last category is the, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this. It's something that's hard to describe in words, okay? So the it's the sense of experiment, or sorry, the sense that experience cannot be described adequately in words, feeling that you could not do justice to your experience by describing it in words, feeling that it would be difficult to communicate your own experience to others who have not had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. So yep. basically it's like you can't describe it because the theme here among this entire questionnaire and to be honest with the rest of these drugs is it's so tied to your emotional state.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's, let's go back to something that a lot of people can understand is alcohol. Mm-hmm. If you're s- sad, you drink alcohol. You're gonna be a little bit, it's not gonna make you happier. (laughs) You're gonna be more sad, right? Mm -hmm. If, like, you know, if your lady left you or something, if you're pissed off and you drink your alcohol, it ain't gonna make you happy. (laughs) You're gonna be more pissed off. Same with happiness. Mm -hmm. If you're happy, you're just gonna have mm-hmm. them all. Yeah. But it, it does. It, they'll tie to mm-hmm. how you are or who you are with mm-hmm. and your surroundings. If so you ever say, hey man, you don't want to trip, so you gotta have a good surroundings, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta make sure you're with somebody that could help you out.
0: Yeah, which is why they kind of frame these things sure. in a safe way. But I mean, everything you shouldn't do if you need some backup to do it. But everything <laughs> here, like uh mystical, uh positive mood, transcendence of, of time and space um not being able to describe things in words these are all in for me looking at it from this different perspective it's just that these are all emotionally tied if you look at all these questions it's talking about your experience for yourself your personal experience um that is very much tied to emotion it's not like another word that people have said is reality is that that reality well but what is reality is it subjective is reality what you experience because your reality um let's say on mushrooms and your description of what's happening to you right now as i'm sitting next to you i would go yeah that's not actually happening dave right <laughs> you
1: right. know
0: so what is reality in, in these and cases the reality
1: is they're tripping on mushrooms and they're seeing shit yeah <laughs> <I> mean <they're, laughs> yeah
0: <I> mean, <laughs> Um, but, so, some but, of the the key words that I was that I was picking up on while I was doing this. Uh, so reality is one love, feeling, experience. Words can't describe correctness to every uh, or connectedness to everything. Connecting to the higher power, spiritual connection, um, remove boundaries, mind opening, mind blowing truth. That's an interesting one. Sadness without being sad. Ability to reframe things. An altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. These are all. Uh, as I was watching these four episodes, I was writing down some keywords that kept coming up. Yeah, and these were all.
1: Well, truth. Are you kidding me? Of course, truth. Everybody knows that you drink beer <laughs> and you start telling the truth, mm. even when you go out and you go get your uh, under, get your teeth done, and you get underneath your. Um, you get put under. What is that stuff called? Yeah,
0: is it nitrous?
1: Yeah, and man, all kinds of stuff comes out, you know, (laughs) Uh but yeah, yeah, you get freer to just say what, you know, Uh there's less boundaries. Yeah.
0: When you, when they talk about this awareness of everything with no boundaries, again, I tie that totally to an emotional state, not an actual state, not, and when they say reality, I go, uh, well, we're going to have to disagree on yeah, what reality because, is because, because your reality is certainly not what other people are experiencing at this right. moment.
1: It's not re they're not what they're visualizing. Isn't reality mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. The reality is, is you're seeing things, Yeah, <laughs> but,
0: uh, some of the potential solutions to like using these drugs, some of the potential solutions that they think is things like OCD, depression, bipolar disorder, uh, addiction, anxiety, Panic, paranoia, uh, anorexia. These are all what I would say are mental disorders. Uh, yeah, I mean, they said that you, they have to be careful with paranoia because potentially, just like you were saying with beer and you're a sad person, you're going to be really sad, yeah. that having some of these substances with someone who has paranoia already can make them hyper paranoid and and go into some really crazy stuff. I believe it. They were talking about MK Ultra. Yeah. And uh you know, you can really freak out some people by giving them who, who are already freaking out give them something like this. Yeah. But I mean, that's why I think this is an important area you could I think you should legalize for study, not for necessarily recreational yeah. use, but just like with uh, Leary and and uh, and his his partner at Harvard, uh, things get a little sloppy, and suddenly more people were taking LSD than were in the studies.
1: <laughs> yep, I know, huh? I know that sucks. They probably had like a valid, you know, test that they were doing. You know, like I don't know, turn out good. I don't know. Well, we have got to try it. Okay, we well, have got to try it. Yeah, we' do it again. Okay, let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and, and there might be side effects that that haven't been that aren't really fully known there are some that they claim that it was creating real problems in in the brain where
1: Well LSD it, yeah, yeah you should not be it, taking it that like for a period
0: yeah frying parts of your brain yeah. and, um i know with like we were talking about opium and and you know these opo- opio I can't even opioids? say opioids opioids uh that these things really mess with your um the like the the sensors that these particles connect to or whatever Mm -hmm. and give you this experience that they can really screw them up so that it requires you to take more and more and more in order to have the same level of high.
1: And, and, and you got to hope that it helps you more than what 10 years of that taking it. will. yeah, you know, but that's what the study will find if allowed Mm -hmm. to study it.
0: Well, the other areas, uh, MDMA ecstasy, um, also impacts you, makes you have feelings of, of love and connection with people, euphoric, euphoric. feelings, and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the peyote that's really been used in Native American like religious ceremonies. But the, the I mean, you can have very weird psychedelic experiences with, with peyote yeah. as well. And a lot of this stuff was made illegal, and then I, I want to say that peyote was, uh, was made legal for, um, you know, religious exper- uh, right. uh, practices, <laughs> practices.
1: Well, I was, I was always told that, yes, you could have super, uh, hallucinations and, and very, everything could be psychedelic, but it's supposed to be very spiritual, mm-hmm. but I'm sure, again, it just depends on your settings. Yeah. You know?
0: well and and think about Native American culture and the stories that they have about these different spiritual beings that they have, you know the wolf and the eagle and the bear, and how it it's part of their their different it's not even theology, I guess, but it's like their their religious their their culture mm-hmm. has been impacted by believing the spirit of these different animals have an impact on what's going on mm-hmm. with them as humans and this is one way for them to connect with those um spirits and i mean uh, of course yeah. i am get I, high I, yeah
1: <laughs> get high and think about the animals it's yeah. it's a very good thing to do for them
0: but originally a lot of these tribes they knew they didn't know that the drug was really Messing with their brain, they felt like this this so called medicine was really actually connecting them to well, it was
1: the spirit. Well, I get it, hundred percent. I mean, they with even without it, they um, you know, they 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 have their I don't know what what we call it rituals. I don't know Mm -hmm. what you call it. Yeah, yeah, and and then I know what if I go out dancing. Uh, well, you ain't going to see me dance without a beer, but oh. let's just say I was <laughs> put a few more in me and I'm going to be having a great time. And, and I know that they get the euphoric feeling easy to praise, easy to bring in what they feel and, and, to um, act, you know, like you were mentioning, it makes you feel like you're at one and makes you, so it, yeah, it it's so spiritual for them. Mm-hmm. And when utilized, I know it sounds funny, when utilized in certain ways, like you were talking about, people setting up a certain atmosphere, if you will, it could give you an, those, those real good feelings, you know? But, um, but people do VR now. so Yeah.
0: There's some weird stuff that happens to your brain when you're, doing, when you're experiencing virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. I've
1: seen people really, it's so weird for me to see people know that they know that they're in VR. Mm hmm they know it and again it's like the rubber hand kind of thing to me yeah but somebody could go by and and like just mess with them and they they'll fall freak out on the ground and scream for bloody murder (laughs) like like if i'm on a roller coaster and a lady will hit the ground and scream like you know you're not in the you know you're standing up in your living room (laughs) i mean i've done it a few times and i've turned around and and hit my my shin on the coffee table, or, or when I took it off, I was standing r- above my friends. I was standing over them, and they didn't say, hey, "Dave, you're going to walk into us." I didn't, but but you know that kind of thing. But yeah. I don't think it was in a position of going, "Zombies are coming after me," and I freak out because it's real. Mm-hmm. Come on now.
0: There are people. There's there's a game. I I don't know what it is. I only saw the demo as I was looking through the Oculus stuff. And there's a game where you walk out on the edge of this building on the end, end of a plank and you look down yep. and you, it lets you fall. And sometimes people just really freak out, at least when I was watching the uh, the uh. video of it. And I, I get uh, motion sickness. And so VR, it takes me a while for me to get comfortable in VR.
1: So I haven't been up, up on a high platform on VR. Mm-hmm. So I have to be fair with that. But I know that when I have seen even... Even though it has been fake, and I get to move in a game, and I'm playing a game, mm-hmm. and it is like it might have been God of War, and you're like way up thousands of feet up, in the, and you're looking down, and I'm jumping over here, and I get, Whoa. yeah, because I don't like it, <laughs> you know, and it's it's, mm-hmm. and that also probably because you know you know the everything looks so so detailed these days where your brain can get fooled in yeah. the feeling that you're so far above. Well. So I
0: guess we should wrap this up, but I the the takeaways that I have after going through all this stuff, I'm still very fascinated, there's way more to learn. But the takeaways is just that that really life is experienced through your your life is experienced through your brain. Your brain is is doing way more than people understand it's doing. And if we understand more about the brain, we can understand a little bit more about human behavior yes. and questioning your own experiences as you go through life, knowing that your brain can trick you into some things.
1: Your heart and your lungs and your kidneys and all that stuff is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. But your brain, I don't think there's, they're never going to build anything like it. Yeah. You know, I don't care how cool, computers are amazing. I get it. But they're not like that.
0: No, it's it, way it, more complicated. Yep. It's at the edge of mind blowing.
1: We better shut it down, Yeah, Scott. we better. Okay.
0: All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks for listening and watching Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, send us some comments. We'd love to see you kind of interact with the show. And if you don't mind, tell a friend. We would love to go to the audience and more
1: information on our website. At nevertoseries.com.
0: And I'll leave it at that. So until we see you next time, take care. And be safe.